Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. This morning, I'm excited because uh, we're starting a brand new uh, collections collection of talks uh, that we're calling Ever Wonder Why. And um, this, this series has kind of come out of a uh, some conversations I've been having lately with uh, some dear friends, but it's also come out of just place of kind of where we've been these past couple years of as stress of COVID and business and everything else piles up as as life gets thrown at us, as as events are happening in other people's lives that we hear about. There's there's times in which we get to the point where our faith is shaking a little bit where where it's we come to this point where we're we start to ask questions of god why why does sometimes this not make sense god why why when i pray sometimes do i feel like you don't answer me why why are the plans that i thought you had for me not working out the way they are supposed to work out Questions like, are, why am I even here? And, and I think that sometimes there's a part of me that as a as pastor, back in the day, I would have I would have been like, man, when it comes to your faith, you don't question it. You just you just do. But as I continue to get this deeper relationship with with Jesus, as I as I continue to mature spiritually, I I, I think it's okay to ask questions why. And so today, starting today in the next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to ask some of these questions. We're going to look at stories in the Bible and try to, try to make sense of it together as, as one church family, as, the, as, as the, the church. We're going to ask questions of, of why. Because I'm sure in your life, you've, there's been time where you've wondered why. And so today, uh, specifically, we're going to be talking through this um, this very powerful story in the book of, of Ruth. Um, if you get a chance to, to read it uh, later on this week, uh, you can. The entire book of Ruth is only just a couple chapters long. It's not, it's, I think it's like four chapters. Uh, easy enough to read in, in just a, you know, probably less than an hour. It's a great story. Um, but it's one of, that kind of starts out with bitterness and tension and frustration. And, and pain, but it ends fantastic in, in redemption. And so uh, my hope is that this morning, that as we look through this, as, uh, as we pray and ask God, specifically for today, we're going to talk about the question of, of, of wondering why sometimes what God's doing just doesn't make sense to us. If we're in a position in our life of, of wondering, like, what, God, just this, this doesn't make sense. Why is this, why are you allowing this to happen? Why is this happening? I think we've all been there before. And so I'm going to 
jump into this. I'm going to pray for us first, if you're okay with it, and then we're going to jump right in. Heavenly Father, God, you know every detail of our lives. You know what we're going through, what we're going to be going through. You know the times in which we get frustrated and stressed out about what's happening in our lives. You know the times in which we encroach upon bitterness. You know the things that we're even bitter about right now. So I pray that in, in this moment as we feel tension of asking this question of you, like, why, why do we not understand what we're going through? Why, why, why can we not get it? I pray your Holy Spirit would give us wisdom, give us clarity, allow us to hear from you. I pray that your Holy Spirit would, would guide me as I, as I speak through this, as I teach through this. Give me the words to say beyond what, what I even think. I pray that you would have your way here in the service this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everybody said amen and amen. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> I am excited today. Uh, I'm excited to, uh, anytime we get to start a new collection, but I'm also excited because uh, we just came off of a, a really fantastic weekend. We had uh, uh, Easter service here uh, in, in, uh, at New Smyrna Beach High School at, 10, at 1015 10th Street. We did, uh, had a great time worshiping together, uh, but we also got a, uh, the chance to partner with another church, and we did our, I think it was our fifth year in a row uh, doing sun, or our fourth year because thank you, COVID, shut us down for a year. Um, but it was like four years in a row we've done sunrise service uh, on Flagler Ave. And so how many of you guys came to the sunrise service? Anybody? A couple people did. Perfect. Um, and I think we had some like 2,500 people show up. It was really great. Uh, we baptized 16 people, which that's, that's huge. 16 people taking, yeah, this public step in declaring they're following Christ. That's a big, big deal. But it's been a, a really great weekend. Um, but regardless, you know, even in spite of a, a great weekend and everybody feeling good, there's still, you know, tensions and whatever that come up. There's life. Life happens to us. Um, anyone here, you, you borderline maybe lost it this week. We're just going to do a mass like confession. I should probably put two, two hands up. Uh, even this morning, I'm going to throw the Nichols family under the bus. Like I like I thought we were going to have to stop and pray for a second. Um, at some point I come out of my bedroom and my son, Benjamin, uh, he's got one sock on and one shoe and one flip flop and he can't find his other shoe and is refuses to look for it. And so like as a family, we're trying to find the, the, you know, solve the case of the missing shoe. Olivia's like outside the door waiting on the whole family to go to church. And like, at some point I'm like this, we're about to have an atomic bomb drop and Erica's about ready to lose it. Uh, it's going to be, I'm going to have to be a witness. It's going to be a bad day in the Nichols house. Sometimes, man, life just happens, right? Can we just be real for a little bit? You know, I think that's one thing I love about our church is like there's no, you know, I, I and this isn't a dog on any other church, but I, I've been a part of churches in the past where like you show up, you're dressed right, everybody looks good, right? All the kids are super quiet and they're like, every, this family has got it together, and you're the only people that know that you completely lost it and cussed each other out on your minivan on your way in, right? But not this church. This church, we're like, you know what? Like, if you've got problems, if, you, if you're dealing with stuff, you found a good place to come and hang out. I'm going to tell you what, because we're dealing with stuff too. God's working on me. God's working on us. 
And so my hope is that, that through this collection as we, of talks, as we talk about, ask the question of why in these, in these tough uh, situations that we have, if, if we ask God, why do these things happen? Why do we not hear you sometimes? My hope is that in that transparency, in that, that, that clear just connection with him of, of coming in, in a way of humility, saying, God, t- teach us. My hope is that he cont- he'll continue to help us through these situations that we're going through. And so this morning we're going to start off in the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 1. Again, uh, you can watch this on the screens if you want to, or uh, you can also check it out through the Bible app. If you go to uh, live events, I think it's all right there along with some of the, the notes that we've gotten. So Ruth, chapter 1, verse 1, says, In the days when judges re- ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land, so a man from Bethlehem in Judea left his, left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and his two sons with him. Then Elimelech, which is the man that left from Bethlehem, it says in verse 3, it says that he died, and Naomi, his wife, was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah. The second one named, married a woman named Ruth. But about 10 years later, both Malone, Post Malone was in the Bible. I didn't, I had no idea. No, this is this is this is probably pre-Malone, right? Pre, that's a terrible dad joke. I apologize. Uh, M- both Malone and Killian died. This left Naomi, the mother, alone with her two sons, uh, or uh, without her two sons, and with uh, his their wives. So I want to give you a little bit of context into the story. As we see this family, uh, you've got Naomi and her husband and her son. They flee Bethlehem because of this famine, and they go to a place called Moab. Now, here's the thing that you need to understand in those days: is Moab was not it, it was not a part of uh, the 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 area in which Israelites or Jewish people would have gone to. This is not this is not underneath any type of covering. Uh, God, I think, even at some point describes Moab in the Bible as being like a place that he would wash his feet. Like this is not a great place. The, the Moabites were people that actually they worshipped another deity, and to the to the point where they were uh, actually giving human sacrifices, some even of of children, to this other. Uh, did I say human deity? I don't know. Anyways, my brain, my brain fog just came back. Uh, but this, this other deity, they started, they're, they're worshiping this other God that is not the one true God. But because of the situation that Naomi and her family are in, of the, of the, the, the drought that's gone, the famine in the land, they feel like they've got to make this move. They've got to, God didn't tell them to do it. They just feel like they've got to make this move to Moab. And when they get to Moab, after a couple years, she ends up losing her husband. He dies. And then it says 10 years later, so they're in Moab for at least a decade to the point where the sons even get married to Moabite women. After a decade, both of her sons pass away. So we see Naomi loses her sons and loses her husband. Now, in those days, at any part in the world, in any land, if you, if you lost all the men in your family and if you were a woman, that, that, that was a very tough position to be put in. Because at, those cho- at that time, you had uh, a choice. You could become uh, a slave of somebody to be taken care of. You could, you could work for, for trying to, to, to 
get your family or get the, uh, her and the, the, the two uh, daughter-in-laws taken care of. At some point, you can become a prostitute to provide money for, for yourself. Or you become a beggar. None of these three choices are, are, are very great choices at all. But here's the position that Naomi is put into. And so as she, as she is, I can't even imagine the, the, the pain and the tension she must feel, the grieving that she must feel of losing her entire family, except for having these two daughters-in-law. There's got to be frustration. There's got to be hurt. There's got to be pain. And so it gets to the point where finally she's fed up, and Naomi says, you know what, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to go back. I want to go back to Bethlehem. And so she turns to her, her two daughters-in-law, and she says, you know what, this, there's no reason that you should be coming with me. You need to find other husbands. You need to stay here. You need to stay in your hometown, your home country. And I'm just going to go back and live in bitterness and misery. One of the daughters leaves, but another daughter, her name is Ruth, responds with this. She says, wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. She connects with her. She says, hey, girl, where you go, I'm going to go. I'm going to support you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to be in a relationship with you. We're going to do this together. You're not alone. And so she follows her. And so it says in Ruth chapter 1, verse 19, it says, So the two of them continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, they entered the town. Uh, in, in, or it says the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? The women asked. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara. She stops them as they, as they say, hey, it's Naomi. Naomi's back. They stop her and they say, no, no, no. She says, no, I don't, I don't want to be called Naomi anymore. I want to be called Mara. Because if you look at the translation of what Mara means, Mara, mean, Mara means hurt. Mara means bitter. She says, I'm not, I'm not the same person as when I left. I'm, I've come back different. I've come back bitter. She goes on, she says, for the Almighty has made my life bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such a tragedy upon me? We see that Naomi puts the responsibility of what's happened. She, said, she puts it right at, at the feet of God. She said, God has caused this to me. God has made this happen, and I'm bitter because of it. I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm sure some of us can connect with, there's been times in our life in which we've been frustrated at God because things happen in our lives that we don't understand. We don't know why they've happened. They happen to people uh, that, that, that don't deserve it. I was talking with uh, even one of uh, the members of our church, a core member, been with me for the past five years, and he was telling me about uh, another family that was going through a, a very tough time. He said, Brian, i got to be honest with you. There was a part of me that, that went through a couple of days where I'm, I'm mad at God, I'm bitter at him, because why would he allow this to happen? If we put our, ourselves in the shoes of Naomi and we come back to our hometown and we don't have our husband, we don't have our two sons, our, our family's completely gone, 
I can't say I would have made much of a different decision. The humanity in me, the humanity in us wants to blame somebody, wants to be bitter about it for something. I think when it comes to those situations in our lives in which we don't understand why, we don't, know, we don't understand why God's putting us through this, what we're going through, or why God's allowing this to happen, why it's happening in a way that we don't understand. I think, I think there's a couple things that we've got to remember. I think there's a couple actions that we need to take that will help, help us get through it. The first thing I think we've got to do, we've got to remember, is your direction determines your destination. Look at your neighbor and say, your direction determines your destination. You know, I was, uh, I was telling you about Moab, Moab being the, the evil place that it was. You know, it was no point at which God says, or it doesn't say in the book of Ruth that God directed them saying, hey, I want you to go to Moab. If anything, it, it talks in the Bible about how God dis- dis- disliked Moab for what was going on in Moab. And so at some point, they, the, this family, at some point, Naomi and her husband or whatever, they have this conversation, and they say, you know what, we've got... We, we've got to, we've got, things are not working out the way that we think they should be working out. We're going to make it, we're going to make a change. We're going to change direction. We're going to go to Moab because maybe, maybe things are just going to work out better there. We're going to walk out of where, where God has directed us and we're going to just, we're going to go on our own way. I think sometimes that happens to us. I think sometimes we get in the, the, the time in our life in which we're asking, God, why are you allowing this to happen to us? But we don't ask, wait, is the direction I'm going put me in this position I'm in? Has the direction I've been going gotten me to the destination I'm at? Like I, I'm, t- I'm speaking to myself as well. I've gotta, we've got to be real for, for, for a moment. You know, we live in a world, in a culture right now, where it's, we, we don't want to be honest with ourselves. We don't want to do any type of self-evaluation. If we do, it's, it's like the last thing we do. We point the blame. We point at someone else. We see someone else. Someone else has got to be at the cause for what we're going through. Someone didn't do their job. Someone hurt me. Someone led me astray or whatever. But, but sometimes, just sometimes, we've got to look at our own selves and, 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 and ask ourselves, have we been going the direction that has led us to this destination? Sometimes we get things in our mind and it distracts us from where we're supposed to be doing or the purpose that God has called us to, right? Some of us, it's a, it's a job or it's a position that we want and we get so, we get so hyper-focused on it. Anybody here get hyper-focused on anything? I've got a, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right here with you. My wife will tell you. I've got like addictive personality. It's not for like, not for like substances and stuff like that, but it's for like hobbies. Anybody here like hobby, like fishing? My wife will tell you like as soon as I got into fishing, she was like, her prayer life like doubled. Like, cause she's like, dear Jesus, please protect my bank account and help this guy catch fish. I got into cooking recently, and now I'm like, oh, my gosh, we gotta get, we got to get all the right cooking stuff together. We're, like, we're watching YouTube videos now, trying to find different recipes, get hyper-focused on things. Sometimes that same thing happens to us, but it, we get hyper-focused. We get, we get pointing a direction that's the wrong direction. Sometimes we get distracted by a job. Sometimes we get distracted by, by a girlfriend or a boyfriend. We, we, we get... We get sucked in of like, man, this is, this is it. This is the way we're supposed to go. This is, this is who we're supposed to be with. And we get going down a road that we don't even, 
We don't even know. Even desire, the different desires for things that we want can get us off the path and go in a different direction than what God has intended us to. I think even, I think even the pandemic that we've gone through has been a distraction. I mean, I don't know how many people I've talked to that, like, I'm just going to call, I'm, I love everybody to do online, man. I think doing church online is one of the best tools that we have as a church. Don't feel any conviction for this. There are some people that you don't watch, you don't watch church online, but maybe, you know, once a month or something, that's fine. I see people out in the community, they're like, man, I just, you know, I know I ain't been to church for a year, but I really miss it. And I say, well, we're still here. We ain't gone anywhere. We're still doing it. Yeah, like, yeah, I know. I just got out of I just got out of the rhythm. And and I totally get it. This is something that has has affected our lives globally. But sometimes in life we allow these distractions to adjust the direction in which we're going. As we go that direction, it's leading us to a destination that God didn't want us to go to. And, and I think sometimes, this is not, every, this is not all the time, so, so you, so you have to take, you know, use some discernment to make sure if this, this applies to what you're going through. But sometimes these things happen because we've gotten to a destination that God never intended us to go because we're going down a direction we shouldn't be going down. Sometimes it, it takes these things to, for us to understand, hey, something's got to change. Something has got to shift. I think, um, I think the thing that we've got to understand, the thing that we've got to remember is the wrong destination will take us. The, sorry, the wrong direction will take us to the wrong destination. Amen? I think sometimes um, that distraction can also be, and this is kind of where we get into a little bit of a, a, a spiritual situation. I think, I think sometimes the distraction in our life can be the focus of, that we have on, on past sin, on, on things that we've done a long time ago, or things that, things that we're stuck in, and the shame continues to adjust who we are and change who we are and get us to the point where we can't live in the direction that God has called us to. And, and I feel like for some of us, i got to remind you that, man, when Jesus, when Jesus died on the cross, when he took on the weight of all that, he already knew what you were going to go through. He knows what you're going through right now. And he didn't do that so that you would be hyper-focused and distracted and say, you know, I can't follow him because I, got, I just got too much stuff that I'm dealing with. Can I be honest with you for a second? I've, I've been to a place in my life in which I've had sin in my life, and I've, I've chosen not to pursue God because I feel bad about what I've done. And, and that shame has been something that has distracted me from going the path that God has called me to. I want to tell you that if you're going through that today, don't let that be something that distracts you from going the direction that God has called you to. Jesus paid the price for that. He already defeated death in the grave. You're fighting and sweating over something that he's already taken care of. You just got to release it and give it to him. The second thing I think we've got to remember is your focus follows your faith. Look at your neighbor and say, your focus follows your faith. You know, I was talking to a, a, a buddy the other day. I was talking about living, you know, I feel like um, there's this, this time in life in which I can see a shift in myself, in which I started living in, like, the favor of God. 
like living in, in the blessing. Of, I mean, Coastline Church is one of these things. Like I, I told him, I said, I remember that when we started, as I continued to choose obedience and continue to say, Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you no matter what. I'm going to do the things that you want me to do. I think that God has continued to bless me. God has continued to open doors. But I think there's also times in which if we go down the path that he doesn't want us to go down, if we, if we change directions and adjust, there's times where we're not going to experience that blessing. We're not going to experience that favor. And it's not because he wants bad things to happen to us or because he wants to get our attention. It's just one of those things like, hey, I'm not going to give you the juice to keep going the way that you've been going. I need you to make an adjustment. I need you to change. Back to focusing. I believe that, that our focus follows our faith. You know, um, when it came to... Uh, when it came to Naomi, Naomi specifically saw things in a way where she turned her bitterness to God. She literally says, and she says, she says that God, the Almighty has caused this to happen to me. So she says, don't call me Naomi anymore. She says, call me Mara, which means, which means bitterness. And in that verse of Ruth chapter 1, verse 20, she says, don't call me Naomi. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I realized there was, there was something special about the last part of that sentence. See, she, she's saying that God has caused this to happen. She doesn't realize yet that there's, there's a bigger plan at play. She says, God is causing, God's allowing this to happen to me. God's causing this, he's, he's making me bitter. But at some point, it's because her faith, even in the beginning of this, was not in him. Her faith, their faith was in themselves. We're going to change our situation. We're going to do what we want to do so that, that we don't have to be living in famine. But at the end of that verse, it says, instead, call me Mara for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. And I realize that the word they would have used for that, for that word to communicate Almighty, what we, what we read is Almighty, would have been the word El Shaddai. Which El Shaddai, at that, for that meaning, the, the, if you were to translate it more into to our English language, it would actually translate to something like everything that I need. everything that I need. At some point, she, she calls him El Shaddai, everything that I need, but she's, she's focused on this thing of like, God has caused this to happen to me. I think sometimes a matter of, of where our faith is, is is just based off of what our focus is on. You know, one of the things that um, we use a lot around here uh, at Coastline is, um, you know, camera equipment. I've got in my hand a, a lens, uh, it's a Sony 70 to 200. Probably 99% of you guys have no idea what that means, and that's all right. But what you should know about this is, is the way this lens works is it's got tons of elements, different, different pieces of lens glass that are inside of it. And, and when it comes to taking picture or video, there's, there's dials on each side, on two different dials that you have got to direct accordingly and get tuned in right to be able to get the image 
just perfect. But, but if something is off, if something is shifted, it comes out blurry. It comes out to a point where you, you don't really necessarily know what you're, what you're looking at. But when they're all lined up correctly, you can really take pictures of, you, you can show some beautiful things. Many of the pictures that you've seen in our breezeway of people getting baptized. I don't know if you guys noticed in the lobby, there's a picture strung up of everyone gets baptized. We post a picture of it because we want to celebrate these public declarations that are people making. Many of them have been taken with a lens just like this, dialed in correctly to capture the, the beauty of what's happening. But I think sometimes when it comes to our faith, it's easy to get the pieces distorted just a little bit, to get the, the parts out of where they should be in wrong alignment. And our faith can, gets adjusted just enough that we, we don't see what's happening in the big picture. We can't clearly see what's going on. I think when it comes to our faith, we've got to remember, no matter what we're going through, that we serve God Almighty, El Shaddai, everything that we need, even in spite of what we're going through. Ruth chapter 4, verse 13 and 15 says this. Says, so, so Boaz took Ruth. Sorry, let me give you some context. Naomi and Ruth, they go back to Bethlehem, and the people greet them with arms wide and open. And at some point, Naomi goes to, to Ruth and says, at some, I've got to find you a husband. There's, there's more life than than you to live as a widow at this early of an age. And so she gives her some, some things to do to go and, and, and take a couple steps of, of, of trying to meet some specific people. And God opens up a door for a name, man named Boaz that is related to what her uh, late husband would have been. And Boaz pursues to have a relationship with, Nao, or with Ruth. And so it says that Boaz took Ruth into his home. She became his wife. And when he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. Then the woman of the town said, Naomi, praise the Lord, who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May, his, may he restore your youth and, cause for you, uh, and care for you in your old age. For he is a son of your daughter-in-law who loves you. And he has he has been better to you, and who has been better to you than seven sons. In verse 16, it says that Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast, and she cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor woman said, Now at last, Naomi has a son again. And they named him Obed. Here's the part that that is cool is in, in spite of maybe going the direction that they shouldn't have gone, in spite of her, in spite of her faith being out of focus, just a little bit, God still worked out a story for redemption. In spite of the weaknesses, in spite of the the path they had gone down. Even when she asked, why, why is this happening? I don't understand. God still worked it out 
for good. The last of that verse, in verse 17, it says, and they named him Obed. And this is the part that you need to catch. It says, he became the father of Jesse, the grandfather of, of David. Now, when I say David and the grandfather of, or when I say Jesse, the grandfather of David, what that keys in my head is the lineage of a man named Jesus Christ. Jesus the Christ. See, Obed had a son. His name was Jesse. Jesse had a son named David. David went on to have a son named Solomon. And if you trace that lineage, it goes all the way down to a man named Joseph, who's married to a woman named Mary who birthed a baby boy they named Jesus. If you think through the story, you realize that if Naomi had not gone through what she had gone through, if Naomi had not had the tension that she had and had to deal with the, having the giant question of, God, why do I not understand what you're going through? If she didn't, have, if she didn't go through that tension and that pain and that frustration, Who knows what would have happened later down the line. But God worked it out. God made it happen the way that it was supposed to happen. He redirected their path. He worked it out better. And Naomi had no idea that she would be the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. Worked out better than what she would have ever thought or would have even come to know. So I want to give you hope for what you're going through in this. Sometimes you're going through what you're going through because you've been facing the wrong direction and it's got you to the wrong destination. And this morning I want to give you the opportunity to, to readjust, to recalculate, as Siri would say, to change your direction. It's never too late. Naomi was in Moab for 10 plus years, but at some point redirected and got back to where she was supposed to be. You've got the opportunity to do that this morning. It doesn't require you coming up here to the front or you having a personal meeting with me. It just requires you surrendering and saying, you know what, God, I've, I've gotten off the path. Today, I want you to direct me back to where I should be going. Some of us today, we need to adjust our direction. This, the other type of people in this room might be that we need to refocus our faith. Because what you're going through could be, uh, I'm sure it's painful. I'm sure it's not easy. I'm sure it's ugly. I think in those moments where we, we want to become bitter, I think it's an opportunity for us to continue to focus our faith on the Father and, and remember that he is El Shaddai, everything that we need, even in spite of what we're going through. To put our hope in him and our trust in him, say, I don't know 
how this is going to work out for good. I don't, I don't know how, how I'm going to make it. But I'm trusting you that everything's going to be all right. A year ago last week, um, my mom called me and said, hey, I'm, I'm kind of under the weather. I'm not feeling real good. Um, it was kind of a tough situation for us because Eric and I were, we were away at our year anniversary uh, for 10 years. We went, to a, um, we went to New Orleans. It rained the whole time. It was fantastic. But halfway through, Mom called me and said, I'm not feeling good. I said, well, that's not good because you're watching my kids right now. A couple days later, I got a call from my sister. and She says, hey, we, Mom had to get put in the hospital. She's got COVID. She's got double pneumonia, and her numbers are way, way down. We flew home. And all the way home, I, I remember praying. I said, God, I'm, I'm not scared. I'm trusting in you. you. You're everything that we need. You're everything that she needs. And so we prayed. I, I, I don't remember, and this is, this is not a, like a toot-your-own-horn type thing, but I, I didn't worry. I just knew that I, 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 I wasn't in control, and God was. And so we prayed. We prayed as a church family. Mom was in the hospital for 21 days. I remember getting the call like it was yesterday from the doctor. It just happened to be my day where I got all the information, and I distributed it to the family. And the doctor said, Brian, said, I need to tell you the truth. Your mom is not doing good. What we're doing right now is the most care that we can give. There's nothing else beyond this. If things don't change, you need to start making plans for what's to come. I said, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to continue trusting God. And so my mom posted a picture last week of her in a hospital bed with a thumbs up. Because after 21 days of being in a table that flipped her over every couple of hours and after being on a ventilator for 20 days and after dealing with medication and IVs and everything in her, she's alive and well, spending time with her family, loving on those that she loves and still loving on Christ. It's all because God is able to work it out no matter what it looks like. So I just want to give you hope for the future. For what you're going through. Here in a second, we're going to sing a song. I want to invite you to sing it along with us. If you're dealing with a situation where you need to change directions, then I want to challenge you to surrender it to him. If you're having a tough time of focusing your faith and saying, God, I don't know why you're putting me through this or why I'm going through this, but I trust in you. If you're, if you're turning it into a, a thing of where you're becoming bitter on the inside, I want to challenge you to release it. Say, God, you are El Shaddai, everything that I need. I think if we direct ourselves to him and he's our destination, if we focus our faith on the Father, I believe the, the best is yet to come. Amen. Let me pray for us. Will you guys stand with us as I pray? Heavenly Father, this is a
very real Sunday, you know what we're dealing with and what we're frustrated with. And God, you know the marriages that are in separation right now. You know the, the relationships that have ended in divorce. You know the pain and the hurt that we're dealing with. You know the, the stress and worry that we have because of the cancer that's in our lives or in our family. You know about the, the hurt we're feeling from, from loss the stresses we're feeling from the numbers that are in our bank accounts. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come in and if we're going the wrong direction, that you would redirect us. And if our faith is out of focus, that you would help focus us. I pray that in these moments of redirecting and refocusing, I pray that miracles would happen. I pray that you would open doors that we haven't seen open in the past. I pray that as we continue to pursue you, as we continue to, 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 to direct our faith towards you, that, that we would live in blessing and that, that we would live in favor that only comes from you. I pray that as your sons and daughters, you would continue to teach us and train us and help us as we go through what we're getting through. but I believe that the best is still yet to come as we choose you. And I thank you in advance for it. In Jesus' name we pray. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.